0: Hello. Hey, y'all. <laughs> I love those two guys. Well, specifically, I love their hair. I would take either one of their heads of hair <laughs> right now. Okay? So, um, hi, um, my name is Robert Green. This is my wife, Linda. As of about six weeks ago, we've been married 30 years, so Whoa. lucky us. Yeah. <laughs> we've got two boys, uh, Their are ages 24 and 27. I think Dave's got a picture of them, so you can kind of see the, the sweet family. Uh, we got married on St. Patrick's Day in 1984. I changed 1984.
1: my name to Green on St. Patrick's Day. So. How about
0: that? So, so um, man, we love to go dancing. We love the beach. Um, I'm fighting Texas Aggie class in 1982. Woo-hoo. And <clears throat> we are so excited because next Monday, the show 24 is coming back on. This is like a big deal to us. We hated when it ended, so... <laughs> Our biggest family event of the year is March Madness, so um, we uh, just went through our high holy season recently, and it was just great. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do tonight. Um, we're going to share with you just a couple of seasons, uh, you know, in our 30 years that were really a struggle for us, and we hope that some of you identify with that, but more than anything, you just hear uh, God through that. So let me just pray for us uh, real quickly. Um, Father, you are a great and mighty God. You do not grow tired. You do not grow weary, as we just sang. And we thank you for your love, and we pray that your love for us will just shine through this story. Um, and it's in the name of your Son, amen. So let's just start by giving you a little background on us. We won't give you everything, but just the stuff that's kind of relevant to, to the story. So, you want to go. <clears throat> I
1: was raised in a Christian home with very loving parents who... Um, Taught me about the Lord and His love for me, and um, loved me and my brothers unconditionally. And uh, when I was nine, I accepted Jesus as my Savior, but um, didn't really pursue a relationship with Him. Really, didn't even know what that meant. I was just no knew I wasn't going to go to hell. So, um, as a kid growing up, I was I was probably. A teacher is the worst nightmare. Most parents would prefer that I wasn't the one that their kid hung out with, and I was just a wild little girl and crazy girl and um, hard to handle. And I grew into a rebellious um, teenager and um, struggled in school all my life. And what did I do? Sorry. It's, Technical
0: y'all. difficulties.
1: More <laughs> Let's okay. stop there, okay? <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> Tequila made her clothes fall off. Isn't that, y'all ever heard that? Country. Let's go. All right.
1: Okay. I'm sorry about that, you <laughs> Okay, so um, I grew up, I, I struggled all through school, and, um, which gave me, made me insecure and wanted, I wanted to fit in academically and could not. So, um, but I found a lot of success in sports. And so that's where I started pouring in my, all my time and my passion and it became um, the most important thing to me. And so um, being accepted by others and... My sports led me to um, insecurities and many inappropriate relationships throughout college. That resulted in a lot of pain and heartache. Um, But God is faithful. He never stopped pursuing me. And in the spring of 1982, he brought me back to him through the sweet testimony of a college friend who had also chosen to live apart from the Lord throughout college but had now come back to him. And he encouraged me to do the same. So... Thirteen years after accepting Jesus as my Savior at age 22, I finally surrendered my heart and my life to Him, or at least I thought I surrendered.
0: So I was kind of the compliant firstborn child. I didn't get into a lot of trouble. Um, I was disciplined and, you know, in kind of my approach to life and kind of did what was expected. And I placed my faith in Christ in an early age, but when I became a teenager, I started living this double life, you know, on Sundays. Um, I was a Christian at church during the week. I kind of pursued my, my own deal, uh, you know, at my high school. It involved a lifestyle of just, you know, drinking, promiscuity, and, and other things. I'd, you know, I never had intercourse during that time, um, but I did everything but that. And I considered myself... Um, you know, sexually a virgin, and that was really a source of pride for me, and that will play into the story here in a minute. But, you know, I was really a hypocrite at that point in time, you know, if that's not apparent. Matthew 5:28 says, But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. But, you know, praise be to God that during my college years, um, a couple of years in, he showed me my pride through some friends and really rescued me from that lifestyle. So by the time I reached the age of 20, I was really running hard um, after a lifestyle um, that was Christ-honoring. So in
1: 1982, I moved to Dallas to coach basketball and met Robert at a church party. And soon after, we started dating. And I knew after our first date... He was the man that I wanted to marry. He was different from any of the other guys that I'd ever dated, and it was a good different. Plus, he could kiss. Mm, Goodness. So, (laughs) early on in our relationship, I shared with him that I had not stayed sexually pure, but I didn't share anything else. As our relationship grew stronger, I knew in my heart the right thing to do was to tell him everything about my past. But I was too ashamed. And afraid that he wouldn't truly love me if he knew everything. So I chose to just keep it a secret.
0: Yes, yeah, so we met, and we had a lot of common interest, and we fell in love. Um, I shared with Linda kind of everything about my past. Um, just wanted her to know that. And, and she's a very, very forgiving person, just worked through all that, had no issues with it whatsoever. She loved me anyway. So we kind of moved into marriage just fully in love uh, and fully committed and excited about the future. So... So that was in 1984. So fast forward 20 years. Okay, so just forget the 20-year gap. After 20 years, our oldest son, Jake, uh, is in high school. And uh, we're struggling with how to discipline him well. And just as we go into this, we, we want you to know that he was struggling with some of his own stuff, but most teenagers are doing that. And uh, I want to make just real clear this is not about him. This is really about how we handled the situation with him. Okay.
1: Yeah, so... When I, As a parent, my greatest fear was that my kids would be like me and make those same regretful choices and, um, that I did growing up. So my approach to parenting was to control and protect. And I was parenting out of fear, which is you tend to want to control when you're parenting out of fear. <laughs> I just didn't want to allow any of the bad stuff to ever happen. And I'm also, but along with that, I'm also tender-hearted, and so um, I hated to see other people struggle and hurt. So, when, um, so it made it difficult to control everything, but yet hurt and feel the pain mm-hmm. of him.
0: So, um, you know, I took a very disciplined approach to life. Um, I mean, it was kind of Pollyannic almost. My approach to parenting was, hey, I'm just going to tell my kids what was expected, and they were going to do it, right? So. Where Linda has the gift of mercy, I think that everyone in life has struggles and you just have to power through it. And I think the best description for me is that I'm just insensitive, okay?
1: He's gotten better at that. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) These approaches worked through the preteen years but fell apart when Jake started encountering some pretty tough issues in high school. He began to struggle in school and was running with a group of guys that did not encourage each other. This resulted in behavior on Jake's part that led to us constantly getting into conflict with him about grades, curfews, speeding tickets, other things. And it was really hard on me to deal with because I was really hurting for him. I remembered my high school years and the pain and wanting to fit in. And so I knew he was hurting. I was allowing my emotions to interfere with how we disciplined him. I didn't want us to be too hard on him at home because things were so rough at school.
0: So all this was amplified because we thought the stakes were high. And and they were high, but we viewed it for the wrong reason. Each situation that we ran into with him could affect things like which college he qualified to get into or whether he could play in Friday night's game. So just a couple of examples. I mean, we were were really more often concerned about those things than we were about shepherding Jake's heart. And, And it really clouded our judgment in making consequences for him. I would say we let the world influence how we disciplined him. You know, for example, is it best to force him to do his homework, okay? I mean, he's got to do it to keep his grades up, you know, so that he's got a good GPA and he doesn't have to settle for a school like Texas, right? So um, another example is sports. I mean, we've both spent a lot of time coaching, and, and we always preach team, team, team. So, I mean, we can't deprive the team of his services at this game Friday night, can we? You know, so we were just going through this rationalization of how we're going to deal with uh, how we disciplined him. And we really just blew past Proverbs 423, which says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. If we could do over it again, we'd really double down on the heart issues that we blew past and not be so influenced by worldly consequences of of disciplines.
1: So as we were going through this, we would have conflict with Jake, and I would sympathize with him and want to ease the pain, and Robert wanted to let him suffer the consequences. Um, As a rule, we'd always been on the same page with disciplining our boys, but in this case, we weren't. In some cases, I would deal directly with Jake and what I thought was the right manner and exclude Robert, and he would do the same, which would hurt each other's feelings and created more conflict between us. For example, we would tell Jake certain consequences of his actions, and then Robert would sometimes allow Jake to negotiate a change in terms. And of course, this is a good way. Robert was trying to show that he was sensitive, trying to be sensitive, but a lot of times he wouldn't tell me about the change. Um... And so the one time, um, Jake was grounded, and he wanted to go to a basketball game with his buddies, and so he proposed a Dexter day of grounding in exchange for going to the game, and Robert agreed to it. But he had not communicated that change with me before Jake excitedly met me at the door to share his news. Um, and things had been building up and building up and building up to the point where when That was kind of the last thing, and I was like an emotional volcano erupting, and all the hurt and anger and fear and frustration just came pouring out that night.
0: So, I mean, we were just not communicating well, and this led to conflict, which we also weren't handling well. You know, if you've been through the communication lesson and conflict lessons here, we violated all those rules, okay? (laughs) We often had the hard conversations, or we didn't often have them, but when we did, they just weren't pretty. And honestly, this was just a failure, failure of leadership on my part. It really prolonged the crisis and made it worse. And the roots of it really started for me um, before Jay got to high school. I mean, in middle school, I started kind of letting the, the, the pedal up on the floorboard of discipline, right? So um, I wanted our sons to be in making their own decisions and kind of suffer the consequences of failure. But when the things started going south in high school, man, I just shoved this pedal to the floorboard and and really started putting some discipline in place and this erratic approach just confused everybody. So the folks in our community at the time, you know, we use that word a lot around here, but we had a group of folks that we were running with, but they all had younger kids and we were really struggling to find good counsel. And we didn't intentionally isolate, but kind of realized, you know, to use a sports analogy, we just kind of outkicked our punt coverage. And um, I was making a lot of decisions in isolation. Um, Linda was as well. And so I began seeking out some men who had walked down this path before. And pretty quickly, um, I started kind of pulling out and seeing what this situation really was um, and started changing my approach both towards Jake and, and how I interacted with Linda. And, you know, Proverbs 20, uh, 18 talks about this. It just says, make plans by seeking advice. And there's many verses uh, in Proverbs that talk about, you know, the wisdom and including others in that decision process.
1: So the, after the night um, that I exploded, um, God was clearly impressing upon me that I was trying to control the situation and that I didn't tr- fully trust him and therefore I didn't trust the husband that he'd given me. So the Lord started working on my heart through his word and through wise counsel of some um, godly women helping me to realize that he is sovereign and in control and I'm not. And then I could trust him. And the verse that stands out to me, it's, my mom gave it to me as a young girl. Never paid any attention to it, but it was on my, my desk all my life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. And as I was learning to trust God more, he impressed upon my heart that I needed to trust Robert and the men that were counseling him to decide the best approach to um, handling Jake, and that I needed to play the role of the encourager and be Jake's biggest cheerleader. Well, I started doing that and backing off. It had an immediate positive effect on our relationship, and then um, over time, a long time, um, it began to have a better um positive effect on Jake but it would take a long time before my relationship with Jake would come be restored although I loved my son unconditionally he really didn't believe it so my plan was to hug and kiss him every night and tell him that I loved him and if you know what 16, 17 year old teenage boys are like that was not a good thing for him was very resistant. He did not like it. And a lot of times he was rejecting me, and, but I was determined to stick it out. There were some times when I just wanted to quit, but I, I kept remembering all those years that I rejected the Lord and he kept pursuing me and kept loving me no matter how much I did to hurt him. And that picture just kept over and over in my mind rerunning So I was able to... The Lord helped me hang on. And it was hard on my heart, but God God helped me through it and he loved me. And finally, after many months, many, many months, Jake softened and started believing that my love was unconditional. And over time, my relationship with him has been restored and has continued to grow stronger. And not too long ago... We were at a friend's wedding, and he actually asked me to dance. And that, like, a miracle. <laughs>
0: that was a miracle. And, you know, the, really the script for the story with him is still being written. Um, we've got, you know, a couple of good pictures. I think I didn't give them to Dave, so you didn't get to see him. But he uh, we went to his graduation, um, you know, uh, late last year. And, and he's, just, he's doing great, and our relationship with him is in a good place. So go ahead.
1: Okay, so throughout the season with Jake... The Lord revealed to me just how much the burden of my secret had affected every area of my life. I, was, I had been acting out of fear. Pretty much everything I did was out of fear. My parenting, the way I would respond, everything was out of fear. And so um, the Lord was working on my heart, teaching and helping me to trust him more and more. And then um, in 2005, 21 years into our marriage, just out of the blue... I got a phone call from one of my former players wanting to reconnect with me and Robert um, over dinner. And as we talked, she told me she had become good friends with a college friend of mine. Well, I, that was one of my biggest fears, was Robert finding out about my past. And so um, the anxiety and the fear escalated and intensified after that phone call. And then a few months later... After months of anxiety, I was, we went to Estes Park with Watermark to family camp, and um, we were in a Bible study, and at, the end of the, at during the Bible study, Todd was preaching on um, Psalm 32, 3, and 4. And it says, when I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Well, the Holy Spirit was convicting me that I must confess my past. So after the the Bible study, I sought out two of the ladies that I respected and told them everything. And they loved me and encouraged me and told me I had to confess to Robert.
0: Well, so Linda grabbed me after that Bible study and said that she had something to tell me. Um, that we needed to go back to our room, you know, to do that. And she was crying. And, man, I just had this real, real sick feeling in my stomach. And you guys probably experienced that kind of thing before. Um, so she just kind of walked me through it. She told me about her past, everything that, you know, that she could think of. Um, I was in shock, you know, to put it mildly. Um, you know, I really put my trust in her. I kind of felt, you know, betrayed. Um, there were some questions just kept coming into my mind. Um, you know, don't, don't you deserve someone better than this? Um, you know, going back to my prideful, you know, Hey, I'd taken such good care of my body, you know, through, through all my younger years, you deserve better than this. Um, and I was, you know, well, what's been going on in the past 21 years? Right? what else is, has she been hiding? You know, so all these things started coming. So I just started asking her a lot of questions and to be honest with you, at the end of it, um, I recalled the words that I said when we got married. I mean, I said, I'm going to love you till death do us part. I didn't say, I'm going to love you, right, unless you weren't totally honest with me, right? And I just said, okay, that's, that's what I've done. And God reminded me of my reckless past. And just as much as she needed forgiveness from me, I got forgiveness from God for my reckless past. I'm in need, a sinner in need of forgiveness and grace. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave us. So I knew I had to forgive her. My pride resisted, um, but um, I I finally gave in and and did that. We just had a great conversation about it.
1: It was such a relief to share this. A huge burden was lifted. I I just, 20 years of the burden was gone. And in the psalm, David puts it perfectly. Psalm 32, 1 and 2. It says, Oh, what joy for those whose rebellion is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Fear had impacted every area of my life, but not any longer. I was now free to love Robert fully and completely as God intended. Intimacy can be defined as to fully know and be fully known without the fear of rejection. And for the first time, I felt like I truly understood what true intimacy was.
0: So, I mean, I'd like to say everything got better immediately. I think as a lot of folks in here know, you know, it takes a while to to rebuild trust. So it just took a a little period of time in many ways. You know, um, Satan continued to try to get me to doubt her, but I uh, continually cling to God and his promises. And over time, um, we've grown closer than we ever were in those uh, previous 20 years and, and continue on that path today. So just to bring this to conclusion, I mean, we've all got struggles as couples that drive us away from oneness. You know, for us, it was maybe a season of disciplining a child. Maybe it was a secret, you know, in our past. Um, but for everybody in here, there's something. Um, you know, some of us in here don't even believe, you know, that, the, that there is a God. And, and does any of this really um, make a difference and we're just thankful, you know, that you're here tonight um, and looking to strengthen your marriage. You know, God doesn't have an ideal that is the way that, uh, that he intended marriage to be. And we've, as we've begun to pursue that ideal, we've just seen um, us grow closer and closer to him and closer to each other. So that's kind of the end. We uh, thank you very much for letting us share tonight.